Hello, my friends, and welcome to episode 41 of Social Scoop Podcast. My name is Kristen, and I am so happy that you're here as usual. You may have noticed that we didn't start this week's episode with a little intro to tell you what the episode is about because I actually have something a little different for you today. So you can probably tell from the title of this episode that I'm going to be sharing a really open, honest, raw, candid conversation with you all about what I have gone through in my 15 years of being a digital creator and a coach. I want to give you my story because I talk with so many of you guys and I think it's so easy to look at what I've accomplished and see it from an outside perspective, but not know how I got here and how difficult it's been and everything that I've been through as a business owner. So sit back, relax, and let me tell you my story. So for those of you who don't follow me on Instagram or on TikTok and maybe haven't had a conversation with me yet, first of all, I'm an open book. As you're about to learn throughout this episode, you can absolutely always reach out to me with questions, with things that you want to chat about. I'm I'm always here for you. And I'm always open and honest and raw with you too, because as you'll hear today, I've really gone through the ringer. And I've gone through it pretty much by myself the entire time. So I know what it's like to not have a guidebook. I know what it's like to not have someone, you know, holding your hand throughout this whole process of becoming a digital creator or just even becoming a business owner. So for those who don't know, my name is Kristen Busquet. I am a 28-year-old content creator and coach, and I live in Charlotte, North Carolina. I'm originally from Massachusetts, and honestly, I have been at this industry probably much longer than you think. First and foremost, I'm a digital creator. You can see my work on Instagram, on TikTok, on honestly all of the different platforms, and I'm also a coach as of recently, and I'm going to tell you about how I got there, so don't worry. I really started diving into the world of influencing and digital content creation full force in 2018-2019, but this story actually begins back in 2008. (laughs) Maybe I'm I'm dating myself here. (laughs) I have been able to, since then, take my influencer business past $350,000 monetized with working with brands and my coaching business past around $50,000 monetized. So I'm really proud of myself, and I'm actually really excited to tell you all of the details on how I got here. So let's talk back about 2008, guys. So to understand how I got here, you really have to rewind it back to then. This was 15 years ago. It's crazy to say that, first of all. 15 years ago, I one day was sitting in my room in my parents' house, and I'm an only child, so I didn't have any exciting siblings that were messing with me all the time, and I decided, I'm going to start a fashion blog. I always had a really big interest in fashion, but I definitely, looking back at it now, was really just not that fashionable back then, but I'm, I'm sure we all kind of feel the same looking back at our photos from 2008. I was like a scene kid. I love shopping at Hot Topic. I listened to punk rock music. You know, I feel like that was kind of a whole vibe for 2008. But it's funny, too, because so many of my photos, I have like all of these like really girly looks. So I think I was 
in this year kind of really trying to figure out who I was. And so I decided I'm going to start a fashion blog. You know, I love clothes. I love styling. And I also really thought I liked photography. I was kind of getting into playing around with a camera. So I would have my mom go out into our backyard with me and take photos of me in all of these ratchet outfits. And I would post them on my blogger.com blog. And on Blogger, it was definitely not a legitimate blog by any means. I literally had no idea about anything to do with SEO or building a blog or any sort of community. It was really just a place for me to put these photos that I was taking. And, you know, I would share them on MySpace or on Facebook and just try and get like my friends and family to look at them. But I'm not going to tell you that I started off as a blogger who had any sort of legitimate following because I absolutely did not. I wanted to. I saw all of these OG bloggers, you know, like Rumi Neely and that whole group of people. And I just wanted to be like them. I wanted to glamorize what I was seeing in, you know, my nylon magazine. (laughs) So I did this for a really long time, actually. My blog, Stylish and Sequins, so cringy. Stylish and Sequins lived on for honestly almost like 10 years, guys. It's kind of crazy to think about. From 2008 to 2000, maybe 14, I was just diving into playing around with any and every sort of digital creativity that I could. I would make MySpace layouts. Do you guys remember when that was a thing? When you would go on MySpace and like you could download the codes for layouts and like change your MySpace up and like all of these different effects you could have. Like I was one of those people who had like a blogger, you know, MySpace layout page. And like, you could come to my page and like buy my layouts and stuff. I don't even think you could buy them. I think it was just like, I could make them and like get credit and people could come back to my page. I don't even really remember, but I was making MySpace layouts. Like it was my job. I was also making all of my friends get into these crazy outfits and we would do each other's makeup like just so wild and go to all these crazy locations and we would basically just take crazy photos of each other, post them on MySpace and Facebook and all of the things. But throughout this whole, you know, high school, middle school era for me, I really realized that I had such an interest in art in general And I didn't know that it could necessarily be any sort of real career because you hear about starving artists and like, you know, nothing like legitimate, like it's very difficult to become an artist for a career. So I I never thought about it being a career. I thought about being a teacher or I wanted to work at a magazine. I had all these other kind of ideas on where I could take my career, but I absolutely never thought that I would be doing what I do today. Because back in 2008, my job did not even exist. (laughs) So from 2014 to 2015, this is where I really started kind of making moves. This is a couple years after I graduated college. I was in my 20s. I was, you know, living in my apartment by myself and really just starting to figure out what I wanted to do for a career. I went to college at the Fashion Institute of Technology for advertising and marketing communications. So I was immersed in New York City life for a a few years and I learned so much. I had a lot of really cool internships where I was able to just see the, the different perspectives on things that I always thought I wanted to do. And it actually taught me a lot about what I did not want to do. I was working at PR companies as interns and I hated it. 
I worked at Cosmopolitan as an intern in the fashion closet, which sounds really cool. And it definitely had its perks, but it was nothing like what I thought. So I had a reality check in college so hard and I felt more lost than ever after coming back home from college because I knew that if I wanted to work in fashion, I had to live in New York City. And I wasn't sure that I was really ready to full on make that move, especially because I was so poor the whole time I lived there. It was impossible to make real money because I was in school and even in a starter kind of position in a job at a magazine or anywhere in the fashion industry, the money you were making was absolute crap. So it didn't really seem realistic. So I knew that I love taking photos. And so I said one day, I'm going to try to go back home and I am going to try and be a photographer. I'm going to, I'm just going to see how it works. So this is where I started my small photography business. And because I wasn't really making a lot of money as a photographer, obviously I really didn't actually have a legitimate business at this point. I decided to also get a job at Sephora because I liked makeup and stuff. You know, this is when YouTube was starting to be like really, really huge, you know, from 2008 to 2014. I was watching a lot of beauty YouTubers and falling in love with that whole world. So I decided I'm going to work at Sephora while I am trying to build this photography business. And we're just going to see what happens. At this point, working at Sephora was paying my bills. And so anything that I did when I was off of work was really just me trying to, to build my photography business. My photography business really started with me taking some photos of my friends. Again, I was posting them on Facebook, on MySpace, and one person asked me, hey, can you take my senior photos? And I was like, girl, I have no clue what I'm doing, but I've got a camera and I've got some free time, so sure, let's do it. So I had I had one girl, I asked her for a $20 payment <laughs> to take her senior photos, and I took them, and honestly, the rest is kind of history. She shared them online and then her friends saw them and then I took their photos. Then their friends saw them and I took their photos. And before you knew it, I was a high school senior photographer. I was booked with three to five sessions every single day in the summer months. And honestly, I was floored that my business was taking off so quickly. And I loved it because I had so much flexibility. I had so much freedom. And honestly, I was making a lot of money because I was still working full time at Sephora at this point. So I was feeling really good as an early 20-something. I was like, girl, she's running her business. She is a manager at Sephora. And I felt like I was living my best life. But over the years, I started to realize maybe, I don't know, I don't know if photography is exactly what I want to do, or maybe this type of photography forever. But I decided to run it a little bit further and see where it brought me. So one day at Sephora... My coworker and I, who had become one of my best friends at this point, we had looked at each other and it was a winter day where no one was at the mall. I remember us just sitting around being like, it is a snowstorm outside. Can we please close and go home? No one's coming in here. And we looked at each other and we were just like, we need to get out of here. (laughs) Like, why are we working this job? We don't need this job. She was a hairstylist outside of Sephora, so she did hair, but she also did makeup working at Sephora. And I had my photography business that was blossoming into something way bigger than I thought. And I was also a makeup artist trained working at Sephora. 
So at this point, we had looked at each other and we said, you know what? Let's combine forces and let's open a business. And we offered hair, makeup, and photography. So she would do hair and makeup. I would do makeup and photography. And what we did is we would get people ready for events or for photo shoots. And then we would take the photos for those events and those photo shoots. So fast forward, this started in 2015. By 2016, 2017, we were slammed. Our business blew up. Again, word of mouth went crazy. All of my photography clients were also getting their hair and makeup done by us. And anyone who was coming to us for hair and makeup looked good and wanted their photos taken. So it was kind of like this perfect storm of we were just having clients come in for one reason and ending up with all of the all of the services that we offered. So this went really well for a long time. Before I knew it, I was really working a wedding every single day of the weekend for literally the entire year. We were ourselves booking 40, 50 weddings a year at least. And eventually we were like, this is a lot to manage. We're having to decline weddings because we don't have enough time. We had a studio at this point that we were paying for where all of our clients would come get ready. And we would also take the photos there. And honestly, we were like, we need more people. We need help. So we eventually realized that we were ready to expand. So this is where things kind of started to take a little bit of a turn. And I want to be really open and honest with you guys in this conversation. It's something that I've honestly never really publicly spoken about. And it's it was just a really big point in my life that I didn't really want to share exactly what was going on. So we took our two-person team to a team of almost 20 people. We moved into a new space. We had a 300-square-foot studio to start. A few months after that, we outgrew it into a 600-square-foot studio. And then from there, we moved into a a studio that it was actually a whole building that was over 4,000 square feet. So not only were we doing hair, makeup, and photography, but we also had a whole team of of freelancers doing weddings for us. We had a full service salon where we had hairstylists who were booth renters. They were, you know, bringing clients in and out every single day. We had estheticians. We had nail techs. We had massage therapists. So this was a full service salon and spa. But then we also upstairs had a photography studio where I was still doing all of my photography and we were doing weddings on top of all of this. And I'm not even done yet. (laughs) So we also realized that we had so many people coming in and out of this building, you know, for all of their appointments with all of our different service providers that we were like, we should really capitalize on this. And we actually, in the front of our salon and spa, we had a whole boutique. Like, not just a couple racks of clothes. This was a full-blown boutique. So you would walk in the door and you would walk directly into the boutique. 
it was a giant open industrial building. And then, you know, when you look past all the clothes, you'd see the reception desk. You'd have like, you know, along the walls, all of our hairstylists. In the back, we had our estheticians. You could walk upstairs to go to the photography studio. So this was what we called a one-stop shop where you could literally do anything and everything beauty and fashion related. And I have to say for a really long time, this was like, I mean, this was my baby, you guys. You have to understand, like, I started this with my partner literally from an idea on a snowy day working at Sephora to a business that I had never in my wildest dreams thought I would be managing. So, and it happened so quickly. I think that was the craziest part about it is that like this all happened within, you know, from 2015 was when we had the idea to start this business to 2018 was when we had our 4,000 square foot studio. So within three years, we made really big moves. Now, this was a huge lesson for me because I, as someone who is a business owner and really has been my whole life, I've always had this entrepreneurial spirit. I always knew I wanted to own a business, but I wasn't exactly sure of the logistics and like where my place would be exactly. So what I really did was like, I immersed myself in every aspect of my business. And I think what ended up happening was that I was a very type A, I am a very type A control freak type person where I liked things done a certain way. And it was really important for me and my sanity and my mental health that everything was done right. And working with a team of almost 20 people in this giant, giant space and managing my own clients and running this whole business and ordering clothes for the boutique and taking care of websites and customer service and appointments and all of these things, I never realized in that moment that it was just impossible for it to all go right. (laughs) I wanted everything to be perfect. And what happened with that was that it built a lot of tension between me and my partner. We were always on each other's last nerves. <laughs> and I I learned this lesson of working with a partner is that, you know, you are in a 50-50 relationship, but I think sometimes that relationship doesn't necessarily feel like it's 50-50. And that's a really terrible spot to be in. That was my biggest lesson, honestly, of being a business owner ever is I would never become a partner with someone in a business. Because I know that with my type of personality, that's just never going to work for me. So we ended up just kind of getting to the point where, I mean, like I would walk into work and like, it would just like, I could instantly feel the tension in the room because like, we just didn't get along. I didn't like the way she did things. I didn't feel like she pulled her weight. So like, it was really difficult for me to go into work all the time because I was just always upset that things weren't perfect. And I think a lot of that, looking back on it, is my fault for feeling like it's realistic for all of this business to run perfectly. So from there, I think I kind of just had this like negative feeling every time I was going in there. And it, it wasn't really just me and my partner. Working in a room with 15, 20 other women is really difficult because there's just so much cattiness that can go happen in those spaces. You know, like what I realized was that I felt like the whole situation just felt really like fake to me almost where 
you know, you would hear two people talking about one other person. And then the next day, that person and the person they were talking about are talking about the other person. And I, it's like, you just couldn't keep up with like who likes who today and who doesn't like this person. And today no one likes me and I'm the mean boss because I'm asking people to clean up. But then the next day they let, they hate my partner, you know, like it really pulled my emotions in just so many different directions because I just like couldn't keep up with all of the feelings that were happening in this, in this big space. And again, I just, I don't think with that many females specifically working together, I don't think that there's any way to avoid that. But for me, I I think a lot of people got through it and were cool with it and could deal with it. But for me, it just felt like such a toxic environment where every time I would go in, I felt anxious and I, I hated going into my business that I grew from the ground up and feeling anxious in my own space. I would go into work and I was like, sick. I don't know who likes me today. I don't know how to act around people because I don't know if they don't like me or they like me or they don't like... It was exhausting. And so for me, I got to the point where I just like didn't ever feel like I wanted to be there anymore. And so eventually... I sat down with my cousin and my cousin, Deanna, if she's listening to this, Deanna, I love you. You are the real MVP. Deanna has helped me through so many different challenges in my life and in my business. And this was like one of the biggest things that she really helped me with is we sat down and and decided kind of a, a plan on what I could do because I, I really knew that I couldn't do that anymore. I felt like I was going to go crazy if I stayed. And it was really hard again because this was my baby, but I knew that it was just, it didn't feel right anymore. And so we sat down and tried to figure out, you know, like, how can I exit this business? And this was crazy because this was in 2019. You know, I was 20 something years old, like in my mid 20s. And it was a really big step for me to make at that point because I had no idea what I was doing. You know, like, I was just figuring all of this out as I went. So, Eventually, we made a plan where I was going to approach my partner and tell her that I wanted to leave the business and that I would sell my share of the business to her if she was interested. If not, we were going to basically just have to sell the business um, and then she could kind of make whatever move felt right for her which I I realized was a tough situation to put her in, but I I really didn't feel like I had any other options at this point. And I will say to this day, like I still don't regret that, that decision. I think leaving an environment that made me feel the way I felt, I mean, like it affected my whole, every aspect of my life. You know, like I would come home and just be miserable. Like I had so many issues, like even with Andrew, because I just, I didn't want to talk to anyone. Like I was just, I was drained. So I decided to approach her with basically a number that we put together where we said, okay, what is this valued as a business? What are our projections? What are the physical costs uh, or the physical things that we own that are worth something? And we basically put together a plan of this is how much I would like to be paid to be bought out of this business. 
So I remember going in. It was a really, really <laughs> scary situation. And I, I told her, I said, hey, this is how I'm feeling. I, and also at this point, I really wanted to move, you know, down to Charlotte. So I said, look, between all these feelings I'm having and the fact that I, I'm really ready to leave Massachusetts, this is where I'm at. And this is what I feel like is a fair number. And so we kind of talked it over and eventually she said she understood and, you know, she was ready to, to buy me out if that was what she had to do. So that whole um, process of talking to her was actually heard by one of my employees. And I don't want to bring up drama, but this is literally like something I'll just never get over in my whole life. Like it's one of the like, biggest moments. Like I remember exactly like what I was wearing. I remember exactly like every aspect of this conversation. I remember she overheard this, this conversation I had with my partner and she told people. And so the next day (laughs) we sat down and had a meeting with everyone to tell them that I was leaving. And everyone had already known at this point because someone spilled the beans. And basically from there, I had kind of explained to everyone exactly what I just explained to you guys. I said, I don't feel comfortable here. You know, like I'm ready. I'm ready to call it quits. And so after all of these people that I just considered to be like some of my best friends and people that like I helped them grow their businesses from the ground up as well as service providers, I just expected the reaction to be different. Literally, most people didn't even look up from their phone. They had nothing to say. No one said, thank you. Good luck. Nothing. It was pure silence. You could hear a pin drop. And I said, okay, does anyone have any questions? No one said a word. And so I said, all right. (laughs) Okay, bye. And that was literally the last time I talked to any of my employees. It's such a hurtful feeling. Like I'll still never get over it to this day because it's just like something like I thought these were some of my closest people in my life and to just have them like not even feel any sort of way about me leaving this business after again like it's helped them so much I've helped them so much like it was just such a crazy moment but I'll remember it for the rest of my life it taught me so much about leaning on other people and creating friendships in the workspace biggest lesson biggest lesson so this was in October 2019 I decided to leave. I, you know, we signed all of the paperwork. I was officially a freelance agent. Like I was out there by myself, like free man. And I honestly didn't really have a big plan on what I wanted to do. From probably 2018 to 2019, I was just getting started to unintentionally posting on Instagram I was sharing some of my photo shoots that I was doing, you know, again, like in outfits and, you know, just iPhone pictures kind of of my outfits and things like that. And I was starting to build a really small community at this point. I definitely don't even think I had 10K. I was like really just building at this point. And I started to kind of put a little bit more time into that. But I also had this overwhelming like lack of income (laughs) that I had to figure out as well. So At this point, I really sat down and I figured out a plan. How can I make money as someone who is just getting started on this creative journey of, you know, being a creator or 
whatever we were calling it at the time, like sharing more intentional content on Instagram and building a community there. Again, like I don't really feel like influencer was even really a term at this point, but I had that income from selling my business as a backup just in case things didn't go well. From 2019 to 2020, I was just just getting started with taking on social media clients because I knew that I knew so much about social media from running a salon, from running a boutique, also from posting on my own, again, having a blog, all of these things. So I was really familiar with all of it. So I started to help businesses and brands to build their social media. So I was a social media manager for a while. That was honestly actually pretty short-lived because I really hated it so much, guys. Being in charge of someone else's social media is incredibly difficult because so many times they have their exact expectations set and like they like things to be done the way they like things to be done. So it's you almost feel like you're always having to defend yourself. I made this graphic this way because this, or I think this is going to work. So that's why I did this. And I just found that I, I had trouble getting people to like kind of lay off and and let me do my job. And I, and that was something again like I left having, you know, a 9 to 5 job at Sephora so that I didn't have to answer to a boss. So I realized that I was kind of back in the same situation that I was back then where like I was kind of still working for other people and, you know, taking commands from other people and it's just not for me. Some people totally fine, but for me I just I hated the environment. So I really started just saving every penny so that I could stop taking on social media management clients and really, again, dive into this whole influencer thing. Because I realized at that point, it was really starting to take off. Honestly, at this point, I had really, in 2019, done some gifted partnerships through my blog, but people weren't paying influencers the way that they are now. And I definitely wasn't sure at all what I was doing when it came to monetizing my own platform, guys. Like, I'm not even going to lie. I was taking a huge chance on myself. And I think that was kind of the biggest struggle that I had when I was getting started was really believing in myself. Like, while it was easy to hear how other, you know, billion dollar companies were craving to work with other influencers, I just never thought that like it would be me that these brands would want to be working with. Because again, like I'm no different from you. Like there's nothing different. So I just, I'm like, I'm an everyday person. Like these other influencers that are getting paid, like they're way more fabulous. They're way more talented. All of these things. Like I never saw myself making a full-time income. I always thought that it was going to kind of have to be like, I'd have to restart my photography business or whatever it was, like always have a side gig because I didn't think that this could be something I would be able to sustain. I would see engagement that others were getting on their posts. And I was like, well, why am I not getting that many likes? You know, like, so if I'm not getting that many likes and that much engagement, then like, why would I make any money? Like, why are brands going to want to pay me anything more than, you know, a hundred bucks, 200 bucks? So essentially in early 2020 or even late 2019, I really started to kind of do a ton of research and just really figure out how I could monetize. And I started doing a lot of trial and error. And eventually what I realized was that brands would pay me, but I just really didn't even know how much to ask for. So I was approaching brands asking, at this point, I probably had around 10K, maybe a little bit more. And I would ask brands like, okay, you know, 
we I'll do a post. How's $150? And again, like now I can not even imagine someone with 10, 12,000 followers asking only for $150, especially with a professional photography background and a really strong community. So I was selling myself short for a long time. I'll never forget this. It was mid 2020. Yeah, it was mid-2020 because I had just moved down to Charlotte not too long before this. And I was getting paid here and there, but like my rates were so low that I would have to do so many partnerships in order to like actually make legitimate money. Because also when you take expenses and you take taxes and all of those things, it's really difficult to like actually put money in your pocket after that. There's not much left. So I was charging $250 for a post mid-2020 with, I don't know, maybe around 12,000 followers if I had to guess. So I reach out to one of my friends who at the time we were both working on the exact same campaign. It was the same campaign. We were really similar creators, demographic wise, uh, statistic wise, also like quality wise. Like we were very, very similar. It was kind of just like everything was the same except we were just two different people. And she was one of my good friends. So I messaged her and I'm like, dude, So let's talk about what you're getting paid because like I'm just curious what's like I don't even know how much I should be charging. So I asked her this and she was like, yeah, they paid me $500 for this post. And I was like, you're kidding me because I was asking for $250 (laughs) and we are the same person. So I was floored that she was asking for that much and and just getting it. So from that point on, I said, sick, my new rate's going to be $500. So then every time I would a brand would ask for my rate, I would say my rate's $500 and they would automatically accept. And whenever I have a brand that automatically accepts my rates, that's typically a sign for me that I should raise them a little bit more. And so I would just incrementally raise them. Next one, I would say 600 was my rate. It would get automatically accepted. Okay. Next one, 700. And so I really just felt it out until I was at a point where I was having to negotiate a lot more. And so I realized, okay, I'm probably a little bit, you know, closer to what I should be charging. So that's really how I originally figured out my rates as a legitimate full-time creator. But I also think it's important for you to know that I did have this income coming in every month from selling my business. So it was less of, if I didn't, I would have never quit not knowing what that I was going to get, you know, like, not knowing that I could make legitimate money. Like I would never quit that job getting paid $250 per post because there's no way I would be able to pay my bills. You know, that would not be sustainable. But because I had this, this cushioning, I was a little bit more comfortable doing that. So I don't want you to hear this and be like, oh, I charged $250 a post. Sick, I can quit my job. I don't think that's the case. I think you have to make a plan yourself to really figure out like when would I be comfortable leaving this job with how much in my savings. So don't take my advice exactly how I did it there. (laughs) So I started to work with more and more brands. And by the end of 2020, I was literally so deep in researching. I knew every inch of this industry. Like I had spent months so deep in it that there was literally no question that I could not answer because I had done so much trial and error. I had done so much experimenting plus all of the experiences I've had since 2008. I felt so knowledgeable. And I, I mean, I still feel so knowledgeable about this industry. I've just seen it back and forth. And eventually what I realized was that it would have been a lot easier for me 
if I had someone there to help me through this whole thing and like teach me, this is how much I should charge. This is how you respond to this brand saying this, or here's how you pitch a brand. I didn't know any of that. And there was literally nowhere on the internet when I was getting started where you could figure all of this out. I did all of it through trial and error. But I wanted to make it easier for other people because I saw that so many people were interested in becoming a creator or becoming an influencer. I was getting DMs every single day. Hey, like, what should I do in this situation? What should I do this? How should I handle this? And I was like, whoa, you know, like there's a huge group of people that are really interested in this. I could actually help them a lot. And so that in 2020, late 2020 is when Social Mate was born. And we started off just doing one-on-one coaching calls. I basically would just kind of get on a call with people and I would, you know, answer all of their questions and help guide them through based on the experiences that I've been through. And I realized that all of my clients were going on calls with me. They were booking more and more calls with me. They were every time coming back telling me they had really great success with what we learned last time. And eventually I realized I'm really on to something here. And so I started to just kind of, you know, go through my business really you know, expanding how are other ways that I can help people. Maybe I can have video training. Maybe I can do seminars. I can have an ebook. And honestly, that's brought us to where we are today at Social Mate, where now we have a podcast. We have a monthly membership program. And we've really just tweaked our business so much over the last few years that, you know, we've really been able to just help creators in so many different ways, which is just so cool. Cause again, like this is not something that I ever, I ever knew that was going to happen. (laughs) To give you some insight here, because you know that I'm always open and honest, especially when it comes to money. This is something that I think is so confusing. And I, I'm glad that more people are talking about it. In 2019, when this was a side gig for me, That year, I made about $20,000 in influencer partnerships. But let me tell you, I was doing so many partnerships, multiple per week. Okay, like I was doing a lot of partnerships. So it's a lot of money, but I was getting paid so little that I I just want to explain to you like $20,000 was like a lot through a lot of partnerships. (laughs) In 2020, the next year, this is like me full time, I brought in about $50,000 in partnerships, more than doubling what I made that first year, which I was ecstatic about. I felt really good about that. In 2021, it was a crazy, crazy year. I almost tripled that and I made about $130,000 through partnerships that year. And this year, I'm on track to do almost double that again. So what I've been finding is just that every year it's getting actually easier and easier for me to make money because I've been able to build relationships with brands so deeply that I'm getting rehired by a lot of the brands now. So I think it's really easy when you're first getting started to say, this is going to be so hard. Am I always going to have to hustle this hard? And in my experience, I really don't think you'll have to. You'll always have to work, of course. Like You're always going to have to hustle, but I think it does get easier as the years go on because you're going to have more experience. You're going to have better quality. You're going to have better connections, a better network. And so things do become a little bit easier for you as you go on as a creator. 
Now, from the point of me leaving my business and becoming a full-time creator and really figuring out the ropes of being an influencer, I went through a lot of struggles. The first struggle that I went through was honestly never getting responses from brands. It was really, really difficult because I was spending a lot of my time pitching when I was first becoming this full-time creator, and I was getting responses from very small percentage of them. And so that was something that really made me kind of feel like I had made a mistake in becoming a full-time creator because I was just like, guys... I'm not really sure. Like, maybe this was a bad idea. I'm not even getting any responses. Like, people don't want to work with me. So it was difficult. And that was something that I I have changed over the last couple of years. I've really learned how to tailor my pitch and my connection process with brands. And that's why we actually started the anti-pitch method. If you haven't checked that out, it's yoursocialmate.com slash masterclass. This is definitely something that I have tweaked to get better responses from brands. So I actually really don't pitch anymore at at this point um, because, again, it was just kind of feeling like a waste of time. The other struggle that I went through was that I was so focused on growth but I was hardly growing. And this is something that literally knocked my mental health so hard because I was watching that follower number like a hawk. I saw every single time that it went up and down. Like I was watching it like crazy. And I was so focused on like, I just need to grow as fast as possible that I was so disappointed constantly because I never felt like I was growing fast enough. And in the last year or so, I've definitely made quite a shift in the way that I look at this because I really, at this point, don't care about growth because my community is so strong that I don't really feel like I I need it to be any bigger. If it gets bigger, great, but like I don't want to lose the tight-knit community if I were to grow a lot. So my focus in the last six months has not been on growth. It's absolutely been on just building a stronger community. And I think that if you're someone who's constantly just feeling disappointed, being less focused on growth will so massively impact the way you feel about social media and being an influencer that you'll definitely feel like it's a lot more enjoyable and more manageable. At the end of the day, I know that my situation is probably very different from yours. We obviously all have our own stories on how we got to where we are today, but I hope you could take some nuggets of just kind of experiences that I've had that might be able to help you in your journey as a creator or even just as a business owner in general. I've done so many things in my entrepreneurial journey that were wrong, and those are the things that I've honestly learned to appreciate the most because they're absolutely things that have just taught me so much about what I can do or the way I should do things. They've taught me so many lessons that have really helped to improve my business and get it to where it is today. And another thing, too, that I think is so important for me to mention is that You guys hear my story of how I got to where I am today, running this successful business, being a successful full-time creator. But as you heard, first of all, it wasn't easy to get here. I went through a lot of different ups and downs that brought me to where I am today. But also, I think it's important to note 
that I'm still learning and I'm still evolving every single day that I come out with a new piece of content or every month when I sit down and think about my business strategy and I look back at the things that have worked and haven't worked every single day, I'm still learning. So you can always expect my business to be evolving because I always love to take the things that I've learned in the last month or the last year and use that information to my advantage. So don't ever look at my business or my Instagram or my TikTok and think, oh my gosh, her business is perfect. She's got it all together. You know, it must be so, you know, seamless and amazing. And while it's so great and I'm so thankful for where I am today, literally, I am always figuring it out too. I don't have it all figured out. (laughs) So easy to look at other people and feel like they have it all going for them. But like you have no idea what's going on behind the scenes. So I think it's really important for you to take that with a grain of salt. Thank you so much for spending the last 40 whatever minutes with me and hearing about my journey. I really hope that this was beneficial for you guys. I appreciate you allowing me the space to really talk with you about this. And I am always, always, always an open book. So if you heard something today that you want to hear more about or you have questions, please send me a DM, send me an email. I'm always here to help you guys out. And I really wish you all the luck on your creator journey. Thank you so much for listening to Social Scoop. This is my favorite part of my business. And I am so happy that you listen every week. So if you guys ever want anything to see on Social Scoop in the next few weeks or in the coming months, please don't hesitate to reach out. I hope you have an amazing week this week and I will see you guys next Tuesday. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Social Scoop brought to you by Your Social Mate, where we help entrepreneurial creators learn how to monetize and turn their online influence into a legitimate, profitable, and self-sustaining business. We hope you absolutely love this episode and come back every Tuesday for a new one. If you really enjoyed this episode, feel free to leave us a review here and send us a DM to let us know your favorite part. We're an open book if you ever want to discuss episodes. You can find us on Instagram and TikTok at KBOUSQ. We'll see you next week.